Hi, everybody. I am Soraya Arvizu, and I'm here with Kiko Arvizu and Tyson Thompson. Hello, everybody. And this is Unbox Light. Awake and break the box of whatever's got you stuck. So we'll start off telling a little bit about ourselves. Kiko, you want to go first? No, I'm a gentleman, so I'm going to allow you to go first because it's always ladies first. (laughs) I like that. So my name is Soraya. I am a mom, a wife. I left the church for a while. I came back. And ever since then, I have been waiting for the further light and truth that has been promised. And I hope that through this podcast, we are able to encourage everybody to seek that light and prepare for that further light and knowledge. That's awesome. Keep going. You, man. Well, like I said, I'm a gentleman, so I will let Tyson Thompson introduce himself. All right, I'll jump all over that. So I've been stoked with the journey of further light and knowledge. I'm glad that Soraya brought that up because it's been a blessing to associate with people who are genuine seekers of light. And it's been interesting because my buddy Greg and I have a different podcast. Chances are, if you're tuned into this channel, you may have already listened to some of those podcasts, but you maybe you haven't. Maybe you came to this and this is your first one. And you can go on that podcast journey. I was just talking to Kiko about this this morning. Our first couple podcasts with Greg and I were a little bit rough, but also it's nice to sit and watch the progression. I'm just going to introduce myself in this podcast um, at the same time. So, so myself, let me back up and just say that I am a husband in Zion. I am a father in Zion. I am seeking further light and knowledge. I am seeking the gifts that the prophet has promised us to include priesthood power. And I'm witnessing and experiencing what that looks like for the first time in my life. Grew up in the church, wasn't active for a lot of years, didn't go on a mission. And yet I'm here. I am sealed to an amazing, amazing, amazing woman. And we have three kids. And really what this is about for us, this whole podcast was born in a five and a half hour conversation we had yesterday on the phone. It was like, I just said earlier, it was like five and a half hours of labor, right? And this like, what came out of it, like at the end was like, okay, therefore what? And then we, I don't know, we kind of all just knew that like this needed to be a thing. And I really feel like what Soraya said about helping people break out of the box is the what, and maybe the how is, uh, it's going to get uncomfortable, folks. Bring it on. Bring it. We're going to push pain buttons for you and for us, because that's where growth occurs, I think it's funny in the culture of the church, I don't understand how we have the fullness of the gospel and yet we run around surprised when things get difficult, right? Like, uh, <laughs> hello, we were told that this would be this way. So we're going to push pain buttons. We're going to go through a lot of different topics that are, maybe some of them are taboo. We're going to talk about them with the spirit. We're going to reference scriptures. We're going to reference the brethren. We're going to reference truth. And it's going to be an amazing ride. I'm excited to see where the Lord takes us on this. So without further ado, I've now succeeded in over speaking. Probably we'll give some time to Kiko to talk about the Kiko. Oh man. Well, I had to give you guys all the, all the time you needed because I can sit here and do a whole podcast about all my crazy stories of my life, but we won't go there. So I would just keep it real simple. So Kiko Arvizu is my name. I was uh, raised in Southern Cal 15 and a half years, and I've been in Southern Utah for 26 and a half years. I am a convert 
to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when I moved to Utah. And as my wonderful wife has brought to my attention, I was gratefully and beautifully introduced the truth in the shadows of the mountains of Kolob, which is awesome because I never really thought of it that way. Um, translation, I lived in New Harmony, you know, in Southern Utah, and it's in the sh actual shadows of the Kolob fingers, Kolob mountains of Zion, which is actually pretty cool. Anyway, I've, uh, I've gone through um, probably two or three different stints of inactivity throughout the last 26, 27 years and learned a lot, gone through a, a lot of ups and downs. Um, and at some point, I'm sure I'll talk about some of those experiences, but I'm, I'm here today also because I was listening and introduced to uh, Greg and Tyson's podcast, His Simple Truths. So if you haven't listened to it, I would absolutely dial into that depending on where you are spiritually to the degree that your life, as if your life depend on it, in my opinion, because it's so powerful and the light knowledge that I've received from them being humble servants to doing the Lord's work. And because of their sacrifice and humility it has taught me so much. And I have been able to reacquaint myself with Jesus Christ in a way that I never knew I could. And really I'm understanding now more of his simple truths and basically that's why we're here to also share those through our experiences and to humanize ourselves as just, you know, followers of Christ as, as, as we all fall on our face and we make mistakes and, and that's perfectly okay, perfectly normal. That's the plan. It's part of the whole process, right? And we want to just share, share the truth that we've learned and just talk amongst ourselves like... Through the school of hard knocks. Through the school of hard knocks, but as, you know, not as in the environment of in, in Sunday school class inside a church, but... And an environment of, you know, we're going to probably say some funny stuff and some people like it and some people don't, but we're just going to keep it real because we're real people and we're talking about real things. And there's a great work happening and the gathering. If you guys are even listening to what the prophet's saying, he's beaten on the drums of the gathering of Israel. He's beaten on the drum of personal revelation. He's beaten on the drum of learning to communicate and commune with Jesus Christ. And so I'm jacked out of my mind, excited about talking about this because I've been introduced to it. And I feel like I'm just a new newborn baby relearning these things, coming to know my savior. So I'm excited to share with Tyson and with Soraya about these things. So Kiko and I are newlyweds and we both have our, our past lives and our past marriages. And I've always known that something like this podcast was in my future. It's been there. I've been asked so many times to start something, to share more, to do more. And it wasn't until I met Kiko that I, I finally felt like, okay, I can now step into this. And it's been amazing to have the fullness of the priesthood in my life and in my home between the two of us to be able to further step into our light and it's really just exciting to see him as he has really stepped into it, the changes in his life. And the whole point of this podcast is to help encourage people to unbox themselves from whatever they're stuck in. If you're stuck in a box of shame and you're, if you're stuck in a box of addiction, if you're stuck in a box of doubt, if you're stuck in a box of tradition, the box of all is well in Zion, how do you awake, identify that box and break yourself out of it? This Let, is super exciting. Let's not forget about the box of cultural nonsense, because we all love that one. <laughs> yeah, let's get entrenched in that box. I hate that box. I've yeah, been, seriously. Like, 
before I know it, right, I'm like walking along on a trip and fall into that box for a minute. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm in this stupid culturalism again. And then I get out and I'm like, oh man, that, that box is stinky. Dad. Yeah, and I'm like, where's my mini sledge so I can bust out of this thing again? But sometimes <laughs> it feels so safe, right? Like, yeah, because it's, it's comfortable and it's what everybody else is, everybody else is there. So like, this is where I'm supposed to be. It's safe because it's familiar. But yeah. that's one of the traps that we fall back into is that familiarity of how we used to feel about certain things. So that's yeah. the whole goal is to break that to help others also have that shift to know that that safety is exactly what's going to hold you back and stop your progression because that's what the opposition wants. And that is not okay. So we're going to beat that drum because that's what we're here to do, people. For sure. And what's going to happen, I think, over time as we as we get rolling, I can just see this. We talked about this yesterday, and, and it's sort of like formulating into my mind. It had to distill upon my slow brain overnight, but I see it now, is that we're going to identify pain buttons. And those pain buttons are going to be associated in major ways with subsets of the LDS population, right? So at some point, we're going to address the movie that you are both starring in right now, which is the movie of blended families, right? Like we're, that is a huge thing. And no one's out there guiding this. Yeah. I actually said to my wife last night how frustrated I am that I'm like, other churches get it, right? They have small breakouts and small groups and support groups for groups of people who are going through challenges of this world. And for some reason, in our willingness for to be acted upon and not act for ourselves, we've just sat back and be like, well, I guess we're just going to suffer through this because that's what saints do. We just suffer alone in silence over here as, a, as Kiko and Soraya, newlyweds in a blended family. We're just going to suffer through this because that's what we do. When the reality is, is that the platform that this is, is going to be to touch on to push those mash, those, those pain buttons you guys can mash them in a way that I can't. And then I can bring in the perspective of a kid who was in a blended family. And then we're going to bring other people in when we talk about same gender attraction. And they're going to be able to shed light on what that feels like, what it looks like, and then what they did to connect with the Savior in order to be plugged into the power source of heaven to be able to transcend and ascend through that. And a lot of the people that we'll talk to we were very intentional about this earlier, weren't we, guys, about talking to people, not just people that have been through it so they can stand and say, come this way, I will guide you through it. Because that, that actually has less power, I think, than somebody who admits they're still struggling with it, and yet they're growing and progressing. There's, so, there's power in being in the ditch and working your way out of it and right. showing that journey. And I think what we really want to focus on, too, is what's coming out more recently like, how do we apply the new scripture, the new things that the prophet is pleading for us to do in the most recent general conferences? How do we shift from all is well in Zion to truly applying like what we're being asked to do and noticing that and putting it into layman's terms and looking at it from a different perspective than we may have even just three or four years ago? Like, how do we apply that as members and move towards the light? like we are being asked to do. And another question would be is like, why aren't we even paying attention to the, to that and to the subject matter? And why aren't we actually trying to apply to what we're being counseled and told to do that basically coming directly from heaven? Is it because we're too complacent? Is it because we're all too caught up in our day to day, which we are all victim to that, right? So yeah. yeah, so the objective here is to help break some patterns here and all manner of things so that we can just get regrounded again and 
more or less kind of reopen our spiritual eyes to see things from a new perspective and apply everything that's being asked to do. Like we're going back to school again, and now we're going to learn again everything we've been taught, but in a different way, in a different level, because our understanding has been changed, so to speak, if that makes sense. I think that we're being asked to co-create with God. We're being asked to be courageous. The, the prophet said, be courageous like unto Eve. And that's the, I mean, that's going to be the this first podcast, right? What yeah. boxes did Eve break? What was the first box broken, right? Like, was the garden a box? And how did she recognize how to break herself out of that to progress? Because the garden was great and it was where they were supposed to be. And they did everything they were supposed to do there. And they, they learned obedience. They practiced obedience. But the time came for her to be courageous and for her to step into the next level of her progression and therefore Adam's progression. And how do we follow the prophet's pleading to be courageous like unto Eve? And how do we 100% take the whole truth and step into that light? And I think that she's a great example and we're being asked to do so. I love how it's Eve was the one, you know, and it's the first box. Like when I think about like the first of something, it's like the first box. And then it was Eve and Eve, Mother Eve, like a woman. And I love how women are so powerful and how they're being more empowered now. But that applies to all of us. Right. And it's a, such a beautiful thing for everybody to step into that power and step into the personal revelation and knowledge that we're receiving and owning it and applying it and not getting caught up in all the box checking that everybody wants to hold us accountable to. Right. Because that box checking is simply just one element of the whole that we really need to hold on to and apply to, to move us forward. Yeah. Elder Bednar said, sometimes as members of the church, we segment, separate, and apply the gospel in our lives by creating lengthy checklists of individual topics to study and tasks to accomplish. But such an approach potentially can constrain our understanding and our vision. Like if you could sum up the conversation we had for five and a half hours yesterday, it was like the constant process of all three of us like stripping away things for each other and really honestly bearing fervent testimony to each other of all the things that the Lord has done to help just like Elder Bednar said, to help strip away the constraint and help us better see, have better vision. And this is the kicker right here. I remember when Elder Bednar said this in conference, my kids got freaked out because we're in the car and we're driving. And when he said this, like I didn't hear what he said for probably the next like 10 sentences because I was screaming in the car because I was so validated by how I felt about the culture of the church and even some of the things that have been perpetuated by false doctrine, where here's what it says. This is just what made me yell. He said, we must be careful because pharisaical focus upon checklist checklists can divert us from drawing closer to the Lord. Like the checklist, the box, and being stuck in it is what keeps us from communing with the Lord. And one other thing that I learned this week, just this week, that totally... When we were talking yesterday, I'm a little slow to the, you know, to the end game, to the party, but, um, but I get there eventually. Soraya talked about how she's had a testimony about the symbol on the outside of the temple. It's inside the temple, too, of the square with the circle. And people have described it different ways, but the piece for now that resonates the most with me is that the square represents, to me, the world. And we are the circle, right? And we're stuck inside of this box for a reason, because it's opposition. 
And the Lord wants us to break out of the box. And how do we break out of the box? It's ironic. We go into a box, which is a building, which is the temple. And we go into the temple in order to, to receive further light and knowledge, in order to be presented at the veil. And if we actually take what is being portrayed, when we step through the veil at the temple, we enter his presence, which is limitless, right? Which is, is eternity and the box falls away. And I always thought that, oh, well, the endowment is for later. Like, this is like we're seeing eternity play out, and someday I'm going to be at the veil, and I'm going to pass them <laughs> back and forth with a heavenly being, and then someday. And the Lord's like, well, you can live that way if you want, or you can have this be now. And I'm like, wait, what? And then the prophet starts saying things like, uh, you need to seek to be taught by the Lord himself. Like, no more in-betweeners, right? Like the prophet is telling us, I'm not standing between you and the Lord. I'm standing next to you, introducing to you to him. And I'm like, oh, he just became the guy at the veil helping me to commune with the Lord. Instead of standing in between me and the Lord, putting out all of this policy, which we're going to find out is going away, folks. I don't know what's in the new handbook, but I'm just going to say it's going to be freaking amazing. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I can't even wait. We are being led to seek our own personal revelation and to seek the Lord first and our understanding second, right? And to forget what we think we know. I love the symbol on the temple. It's one of the most sacred symbols to me. It's beautiful. And I didn't know this when I was young, but I had all these dreams of a circle and square. And in my dreams, the circle starts to expand and it starts to crack the box. And as it does, it eventually expands to the point where it encompasses the box and the box is safe inside the circle. And I didn't fully understand this until I really started to dig into the gospel a little bit more. And I learned that in ancient Hebrew, the circle represents the number three, which represents heaven. And the square represents four, which represents earth, the four corners of the earth. And the number seven represents perfection. And the circle inside the square represents heaven on earth. And as I learned this in the dreams, it just repeats, it comes coming. The circle encompassing the earth was my interpretation for myself is that Yes, we have learned very well how to bring heaven onto earth in pockets. We create heaven on earth in our home. We create heaven on earth in a temple. We create heaven on earth in bubbles as we walk around. And there, our charge in the last days is to have the entire earth covered in the Lord's love. We are supposed to encompass it. We are supposed to create all of heaven on all of earth, right? So we have to unbox that light. We have to let it out. And I well, so Ryan, like, you mean that like, this isn't going to be top down, like the prophet's not going to direct us how to do everything so that we can just fall in line. Are you trying to tell me that we're actually supposed to, as Second Nephi 26 <laughs> says, that we're supposed to learn to act for ourselves and not be acted upon? I think that our first mother might have set the perfect example of acting for ourselves no angel came in fact well the antithesis of an angel came to introduce the idea to her but then she knew that there was quote-unquote no other way yes i'm well, pretty I'm she, pretty sure she got that from heaven directly <laughs> she acted because, <laughs> you mean because like it was inborn in her which is agency which is what the whole plan was about so you're telling me that satan it's ironic right because satan deliberately chose what he chose and therefore chose to keep not choosing. And yet he uses what little agency has left to come and kick off the plan of agency for everybody else. Like, let's just give a round of applause to Lucifer real quick. Yay, <laughs> Yay Lucy! Got it, boy. We chose the plan of light and no boxes, and yet 
we continue to give up our agency and put ourselves back into boxes. And he excites very much about that idea. Yep. Yep. <laughs> He's and like, now, you didn't choose my plan then, but I'm going to, I'm going to help you choose my plan now. I'm like, going to yep. throw my box right at his face. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the reality is, is it's going to blow up in his face, right? It's already, like, either way, I'm going to get, I got to get in my lick one day, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully whatever, whatever that looks like. Well, and I think well, it's can... important to denote that like there is power in boxes, right? Like there is times where boxes serve us very well, where the, the lines, the black and white, and the safety of it. The garden had its purpose, right? And in the garden, what were they given? They were given like a checklist of things to accomplish. <laughs> but what happened after Adam named every single tree and plant and creature and all the checklists that they were given were done? And nobody, God did not come down and tell Eve to start pondering what more is there. Yeah, how, how long could he have actually been, been there doing the things that he was doing? He's going to eventually run out of things to name and things to, you know, play with and talk to and stuff like that. Right. He's going to eventually run out of stuff to do. Right. Right. And Eve just got bored. Like, I mean, I hate to put it like, like, uh, been there, done that. Right. And I don't want to sit here and prevent and like, and then knowing too, that in the back of her brain, she's like, we've been given this other commandment that we can't fulfill when we're in the box. Like we got to get out of this box. Right. And yeah, I love what you said earlier. Ta- tell what you said about how she had to grab a hold of a piece of truth that didn't make the other things untrue. It just helped her to supersede the truths that they'd been given to that point. Like, kind of. I don't know if you can, if I'm helping you remember. Yeah, what you absolutely. Heard. So Tyson sent us Elder Bednar's amazing conference talk, and as I'm sitting there, I'm like, absolutely. Like every single box that we put ourselves in, or that even the church has given us, or followers of light and truth have given us, right? They they consider that each a strand. And Eve had all of these different truths. She had the truth of the commandments that she was given. She she knew that she wasn't supposed to take care of the fruit, but she also knew she was supposed to go and replenish the earth. She had these two competing. But when you look at each strand independently, yes, like you have a distinct choice of right and wrong. But when you combine all the truth that she had, as we're asked to do, right, we're asked to circumscribe all truth into one. one and it's one whole. And if we think of Elder Bednar's rope scenario, she took all her truth into one. And she followed that truth. She held on to the rope. She followed where the rope was leading her. And there might have been a strand that broke. But the whole of all the knowledge she had helped her take that courageous leap of faith into the dark, helped her follow it. And I sit there and I'm like, that's how we can apply that into our own lives. We have all of these individual boxes and all these individual strands. And we often look at them one by one. And how many times in our life have we been holding on to one strand of the gospel, thinking that that is the whole encompassing iron rod and we're walking in the right direction. And it's, it's now I'm not saying it's going to lead us astray, but it's not going to lead us as quickly to the progression that we want. Yeah, that case in point, like this last week, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I, I wanted to vocalize this somewhere publicly. So here we go. Like I would focus so much on developing a individual principle, right? And then I realized like the Lord blew my mind. Actually, Elder Bednar again. Well, real quickly, just so for a note, people gather together in one, all things in Christ. Elder Bednar 2018 was where that quote came from. And also the concept that rang true that Soraya just mentioned. But back to what I learned, another Bednar talk, actually, he gave a talk and I remember him pausing with quite a bit of emotion. Like it was almost like the talk that he gave about meekness was like delivered to him directly from the Lord because 
he was so grateful to be able to stand and bear witness of that. Well, in my own life, I've been so focused on, I'm going to develop patience. I'm going to develop patience, right? I'm getting impatient with the process of developing patience, right? And I do this, right? And I realized like, oh, patience is only a part of a bigger, a bigger principle. So patience is part of meekness. And meekness actually has a lot of power in it. And forever in my life, I was like, meekness and humility are some, like, uh, are they like synonyms? They're the same. But the reality is they are not. Actually, humility is a part of meekness. Meekness is the overarching principle or characteristic of Christ that we want to develop because it encompasses charity. It encompasses patience. It encompasses temperance. It encompasses patience. It encompasses all of these other principles that are meekness. That's why when Christ said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth, he wasn't kidding. Like, because you will have so many other principles developed within you based on meekness. And like you said, I was so long for so long focused on this one piece of the bigger pie, right? It was like I I was digging at the one blackberry in this piece of blackberry pie, trying to get it out because it was the biggest and the juiciest, failing to see that I had a whole piece of pie on the plate with La Crust and all and like whipped cream on top, right? I'm just trying to get this one and it's like frozen or something. And I'm just like digging at it, like, give me that blackberry. I want it really bad, right? And the reality is, I'm like, oh, I could just use my fork and take a big bite of this whole piece of pie and the meekness pie, I guess you could say. And then I'm like, oh, there's this whole bigger dimension. And when I'm not hyper-focused on one little tiny piece of it, and I let my mind be expanded, I break out of the box and I realize, holy smokes, there's so much more. And I'm going to develop meekness, Lord. And he's like touching his nose. Like if you can see him looking at me like, yep, you got it. Right. Good job. (laughs) Right. Like meekness. Yes. That's a bigger thing than just patience or humility. Well, and I think sometimes we confuse what meekness is and there's that whole, you know, unrighteous humility, but meekness to me is more being being teachable. And there's so many times that we have focused so much on that one piece of pie of the whole gospel that the Lord has given us. He has, he's given us a great piece of pie, but at least for Latter-day Saints, we 100% since the very beginning have been told it's, you don't have the whole pie. Like it's, this piece is restored, but we've been told to expect further light and knowledge. Like President Nelson saying things like, uh, if you think the restoration is complete, like I can just see him in all of his meek and amazing glory, like inside what he, what I feel like the subtitles were really saying is he's like, you think that the restoration's complete? That's cute. (laughs) The Lord and mother and father and I, we love you so much. And then he literally did say, take your vitamin pills and get your rest. It's going to be exciting. Wait until this year and the next year and the next year. Like he's just laying it out, like get ready folks. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what's going to come out of this new handbook, but it's going to rock some people. I think he's like, yeah, you guys think you've seen a, a mic drop? You just wait. <laughs> we're gonna, we're, you're gonna see like some legit mic dropping continually from this point on. In my simple and layman terms. Yes, he's asking us to be teachable. He's asking us to be prepared to receive the whole pie. And for a lot of people, they are not going to be able to like resist the temptation of the one piece. And we are being asked to be teachable. We're being asked to look away from the one piece and look for the whole pie, right? That's 100% what I think we're being encouraged to do. 100%. And that's why, like, if we don't get out of the box and break the box, we're going to not be able to be exposed to that or, like, holding on to the iron rod, right? Like, if we're clinging to the rod, like the references in the scriptures, like, if you're clinging for dear life, 
how are you going to focus on anything else and be in tune to anything else other than your sheer survival in that moment by clinging and trying to get one foot in front of the other, right? Yep. Versus holding the light, holding on to the rod and using your own strength to move forward, but using the rod to keep your balance, right? Yep. Then you have the ability to be in tune, to pay attention, to still act as agents, right? Versus be acted upon. Because if you're sitting there holding to the clinging to the rod, white knuckling it, you're going to be acted upon because it's going to be hard to move because all your strength is just being focused in one spot. You're, you're holding yourself back. So you got to let go of that grip and you got to just hold it to keep your balance. And then you start working your way towards on the path. That's huge. Like I can just see as you're saying that, like you're right. Like if you're, if you are like Kung Fu grip, right. Holding on to the rod and you start walking forward, but you don't let go with your hand, what's going to happen. It's going to be like a dog at the end of its chain, right? Exactly. <laughs> Well, if you let that flow through your hand, right, the iron rod, you have to let it flow through your hand. You're holding on to it, but clinging to it is probably not good vernacular because if you're clinging to it, it's like, oh, I'm holding on to this. I'm so glad I found it. I can't go anywhere because I just want to hold on to this. Well, you have not made it to the tree. But if you let that truth, which is the iron rod, the word of God, flow through your hand or flow through you, it will keep you on the path. But you won't be stuck on a spot on the path. And if you reference back into, you know, that chapter in Lehi's dream, it talked about the quote unquote cling, the ones that were clinging, made it to the tree, particular fruit and was great. But then when the mocking came from the great and spacious building, they just dropped their fruit and bounced, bro. They just left. And then I'm right. like, what? So you mean that the elite will fall and not all is well in Zion? So, so that, yeah, I'm just like, people might figure it out and be like, Psh, what? I'm, I'm an Audi 5000. Like, I'm out of here, right? And I'm like, what are you doing? Leaving the fruit. And then after that, it references the other people that were in, in the midst of darkness or not midst of darkness, but working towards that they get to the rod. And then the ones that actually are just, in essence, holding it also make it to the tree and partake of the fruit. But then they also stay in proximity of the tree. Wow. That is huge. Did, I like it just here's the thing, Kiko. I love you to death, and you've like you. I love you and your humi- and your humility, and we like to humiliate ourselves. Him and I get get after that quite a bit. But brother, like you just unlocked that truth in my mind. Like you just you just John by the way me like <laughs> hang right in the head, right? Like I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like you can't cling to the rod. And people say that at church, and it's like, no, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, cling to it if you want to fall away. Yeah, or you it, want to stay stuck. If you cling, you can't let go to, to even get to the tree. But the scriptures tell us they still end up getting to the tree. Yeah, right? they're probably like fist over fist clinging, right? Like right. the whole way. Like, I'm going to hold on to this. Oh. But what if we had our hand open to the next section, the further light and knowledge? We mm. we open our, our hand to what's more, what's next. Like oh. Eve asked, what, what's after this? What more is there than this? And Joseph Smith asked, what more is there? Yeah. Right? He didn't cling on to the knowledge that he had. He open had. hands. Open like, hands. What more? Open hands. Where have I seen that before? We shall not go into that, but we should just pause for a second and ask ourselves, where have we seen open hands? It's a good question. So I love that whole concept, though, Kiko. Like, dude, you just blew my mind. Good work, brother. Bro, right. did, did you hear the mic drop in the room after that? I'm just saying. I did. You know, I'm going like, <laughs> I'm going to get a big old gold star, dude. It's going to have sparkles on him. Stick it on your forehead when I see you next time. Hashtag no clinging. Okay. <laughs> hashtag. Yeah, right. Hashtag no clinging. Hashtag we are not Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag this is not Star Trek. 
Hashtag no more hashtags. We got to keep moving with our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Focus, focus. I was going to read this. So I, I think this is kind of a good transition point. So here's something that, Soraya, you said this earlier, and I think it kind of goes into the next thing that you had on kind of what you wanted to talk about. But this talk from Elder Christofferson was like life-changing for me. And only the whole talk is great. Like, it's great. It's called Come to Zion 2008, October 2008. But this, like, this, what he said right here was so impactful to me. And this is the truth. Like here, you want to know, you know, people attack Greg and I, and I'm not going to go into a long list of things they attack us about, but it's pretty, actually pretty funny. And then actually what's interesting to me too, is that they're so angry and like venomous. And I'm like, you don't have the spirit of the Lord right now. Right. Listen, and, you mean people are actually mocking you and scoffing at you from the great and spacious building? <laughs> Oh, that man, really happens? Know. No way, bro. Because the building was floating, and I don't think those people would do that. But they're doing that. Wow. <laughs> right. I know. Thank you for bringing. Thank you for keeping it real, Kiko. Keeping it real. Um, I will never forget though, listening to this talk and going, "This is this was the it's on us, it's on me first moment for me." Like I'm over here my whole life thinking. God's going to bring Zion again, and it's going to be tremendous. The city of Enix literally just going to fall back to the earth. And we're going to be told exactly what to do. Right. And someone's going to script it out. Right. And, and I'm going to be given the GPS coordinates of where to go. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've got all my food storage, which is going to be enough to get me there. Right. Well, at least a 72 hour kit backpack, bro. You know, whatever. Oh, yeah. No, I got like a Zion Trekker, dude. It's like basically a modern hand card. I'm going to put all my gear in and we're going to walk to bro, Zion. Please right? have some EOS chapsticks, though, bro, because I have my lips can't be chapped during those days. So just please do that for me. <laughs> all right. Like, yeah, SPF 40 or something, too, to no, keep, to keep, keep the burn. Keep the burn coming off. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. So I just had all these delusions of grandeur on how this was all going to play out. That the Lord, the prophet was going to be like, which, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not refuting things that have been said about being called to gather to Zion. We've already been called, though. That's the whole point. Yeah. That's the point of what Elder Christofferson was talking about. Like the commandment to create Zion never went away. We just went away from it. And the complacent. Lord, yeah, yeah. And the Lord, and we, we built up all these traditions and, and all this stuff. And the Lord, through his prophet and prophets, right, is bringing truth back. And here, here's the moment when Elder Christofferson, like, just like Kiko blew my mind a minute ago, Elder Christofferson blew my mind when he said this. He said, Zion is Zion because of the character, attributes, and faithfulness of her citizens. Remember, the Lord called his people Zion because they were of one heart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness, and there was no poor among them. If we would establish Zion in our homes, branches, wards, and stakes, notice he didn't say in the church, right? He said in our homes, branches, wards, and stakes, or in other words, in the areas proximate to us, he said we must rise to this standard. It will be necessary to, one, become unified in one heart and one mind, to, two, become individually and collectively a holy people, and three, to care for the poor and needy with such effectiveness that we eliminate poverty from among us. So those are all action steps based on us. Here's when he hits it home. This is the holy smokes moment. I just had a paradigm ripped off of my brain. I can now see. This is what he said. He said, we cannot wait until Zion comes for these things to happen. Zion will come only as they happen. Like, as reference what he said again, as we become one heart, one mind, we become individually and collectively a holy people. And three, there's no poverty among us, whether it's spiritual or physical. 
right? Emotional, intellectual, whatever that poverty is. As those things happen, Zion will come. We're not waiting for Zion to come out of heaven. Here's the thing. If we all took a handcart right now and we all started walking to Jackson County, Missouri, and we all showed up, and it was just a journey of like attrition and basically trying to survive, or even if we got our, in our cars and drove there, probably a better, even a better scenario for what people think is going to happen. We're going to get there and be no closer to God and Zion than we were when we left. If we leave with the intention of just walking to a new place, the yeah. whole purpose of becoming Zion in our stakes is so that we can learn to operate in the truth, in the sphere in which we are in to break the box where we're at. And we have only have to experience the physical aspect of it, but most importantly, become Zion through the spiritual aspect of it from the inside out, becoming one people, right? And so so much of my life going to church and don't get it twisted. Like I love the gospel, but for so many times I go, I don't always necessarily feel like as welcome as like I probably should. And maybe that's my own insecurities and my old awareness, but there's been so many times where I go and I'm just like, these are my brothers and sisters and my neighbors. Why are they scoffing at me? Like, why do I not feel welcome here and, and feel loved like I should? And when I go into to priesthood and why am I be welcomed by my brothers and getting some fist bumps and some hugs and stuff like that, right? Isn't that what it's supposed to be about? And so I can understand why people, you know, get frustrated a little bit when, you know, people get into their little small little, I don't want to say clicks, but little clicks and organizations and forget that, hey, we're all there to fellowship everybody. Like we're all there to renew our covenants and to build our relationship with the savior, right? Not to sit there and, you know, I mean, and work through the things we're working through spiritually, but remember we're there to serve our brothers and sisters. And as we serve them, we serve ourselves by growing, right? So that's the law of indirect action. But yeah. like, so much of us, I feel like we forget the whole point and purpose of why we're going. Well, so many times I think we go with the intention to check the box. Well, to check the box and we're going to receive light from other people. We're yes. oftentimes we're going and we're we're asking to be uplifted by borrowed light. And, and this is where Zion is going to be created when we're each seeking the light ourselves. So the, the, one of the strongest quotes moments for me and recent general conferences is the light will come when we seek it. And we, yeah. the, the Lord loves foreshadowing. Okay. Like he loves it. It's all throughout the scriptures. And if we read the scriptures half the time, we should just be expecting that, you know, the patterns of the past are the patterns for our future. And the, the, some of the biggest moments in all of our history has been when somebody sought the light where they weren't relying on the, you know, the words of the past. Like yep. we were talking about this yesterday. Like one of my, one of my favorite star Wars movies, which a lot of people didn't like is when, you know, Ray's introduced and the, the Jedi books are, are lost. And it was a representation to me of like forgetting what we know and not holding on to the, the past light of others. And as great as that light might be, what light are we seeking? Eve didn't just one day know to go and partake of the fruit. It started like, if I try to really imagine, how did she take that leap? She started pondering. She started questioning. She started asking. I'm sure she probably doubted herself. I'm sure she probably tried to put herself back into the box. Like, is this really happening? Like, and even though the serpent was trying to beguile her, her answer came from the Lord. Her answer came from heaven. And yeah. she was seeking it. She started to seek it. And that is when the light comes. And we're being asked to seek that light. You can't receive the light, though. You can't break your box and receive the light 
when you're bar- living on borrowed light and borrowed faith, right? If you can't, you cannot ride the coattails of your parents' testimony or your friend's testimony. Or your fake president or your yeah, blah, blah, blah. or your priesthood leader. Like that is not enough. Like enough and then you wonder why you look out and you see so many of our brothers and sisters getting wrecked and leaving the church and struggling with their testimony because so many of us, uh, I think, have relied on the faith of other people. Well, that program is now over. You know, that's why I we, think there's another reason, though, too. But we're being told to push for personal revelation for a reason, because you cannot you can't get there. You can't build Zion on the faith or the interpretation of others and the, and the parable of the 10 virgins. I mean, come on now. I mean, did you not get any obvious? It's like, come on, man. Like you got to start, you know, you got to get your oil and everything from the savior himself. So that's why the prophet is pushing on that, which is hard for a lot of us to wrap our mind around when we grew up in the church and we're taught to pray to heavenly father, right. And close in the name of the savior. But then like, how do you then build a relationship with Christ if you're taught to pray to Heavenly Father? Like, and I struggled with that until because of Tyson and Greg and, and their application of things, I took their counsel and their advice and went and asked and humbled myself. And I asked the Lord, I'm like, Lord, are you there? I'm like, and do you love me? And please help me to fill your love. And that was one of the most powerful, powerful spiritual experiences of my life. So I can testify to you that Christ is there and he loves us and he wants to teach us. We just have to have the desire to go and ask him and he will let us know. And there is so much power behind that. And it's necessary for us to get there. And if we don't get there, we're going to run out of gas. We're, we're going to be stuck in the garden for and, much longer than we need to be. Yeah. Like, and just like in the scriptures talk about like, yeah, like it basically, yeah, the savior, he's there and he will give us everything we need and the everlasting life, right? Like he's the, I don't understand all the cool references in the scriptures because I'm not cool like that, but that's where we need to get to and work towards. And then, yeah, fall on your face as many times as you need to, but that's okay because he's our biggest cheerleader, in my opinion. I think all our heavenly parents are like our biggest cheerleaders. And when we fall and then they're like, get up, come on, get up. And they slap us on the butt just to keep going. Like, you could do this, right? You could do this. Like, I really believe they're like our biggest cheerleaders. But instead, we think that we're being parented in a strict way and that we're getting chastised and we're in trouble for messing up when we're in reality. We are forgiven as soon as we practice exact obedience. And because the atonement's already been paid, we just got to forgive ourselves, accept the Savior's grace and get up and move on. But then we get caught up in tradition and the opinions of others. And then we start getting all this shame and nonsense and guilt. And then we get stuck. Well, I think that's what that's what puts us and keeps us in the box. Right. Like having the courage to stand up, having true faith in Christ that he he's going to applaud our desire to progress. And he knows that we're going to fail. And that's why we have the atonement. Like like Eve had to trust the Lord when she decided to take of the fruit. And Adam, when he chose to follow her, he was trusting the Lord that he was supposed to stay with her. He was trusting that if he stayed with her, that is good, right? Even though there's another strand that he's been told, he had to trust that the whole is good. Christ is the whole. Yes. Jesus Christ is the whole. Like I remember when I was younger, um, someone told me, what's more important to you, to please your earthly parents or to please your heavenly parents? And yeah. I was like, boom. I was like, wow. Like, I've got some changing to do in my life. And I have some relationship building to do 
with my heavenly parents and my savior. Because as much as I do love my earthly parents and my biological father um, passed away um, a couple of years ago and my mother and I haven't had a good, healthy relationship for quite some time, right? And hopefully someday we can reconcile. But in the end, it's like, they're the ones that I want to adhere to. They're the ones that I want to, to please are yep. my heavenly parents because in the eternal realm, that's where it matters. Not to the degree that we don't honor our parents, like it talks about in the first 10 commandments. We do want to do that, but we got yeah, to love up. You're honoring, like you were as right before you said that, I was like, oh, that is a whole new level of meaning of honor thy father and thy mother, right? Like the celestial sense is, the box is, okay, I got to honor my father and mother, but what if my father and mother are encouraging me to do things that are against what I, my higher self. Then I've default to the higher. Yep. So you got to honor the higher set of parents. It's like, what if you picture, I was picturing too, while both of you were talking, what, um, the Lord planted us like trees, right? When we're trees, but we're in a little pot. And eventually what's going to happen is if we keep nourishing, right, that, that tree, the Lord keeps nourishing us. We're going to break out of the capacity that that pot has. And we're going to need to be planted in something else in order to grow something bigger, in order to grow bigger. And he doesn't want us to be bonsai trees. Like that's what happens with bonsai trees, right? Is that they, they hit a capacity and then, and they want them to stay small because they're cool and they're ornamental, but the Lord doesn't have bonsai trees, right? The Lord has like redwoods. Like he wants us to keep growing and keep breaking out of our shackles and our environment to grow into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. The celestial box is being broken, but we have to break the ones that we are stuck in as individuals. Those celestial anchors, as Tyson, as you and Greg so beautifully explain in your podcast, right? Yep. And there is a purpose for the greenhouse and the smaller pot, but eventually the Lord wants to give us so much more. And I feel like we're at that pivotal moment prior to the second coming. And I think that there's still so many of our our friends and comrades who they've gotten used to the subscription that like, this is how you hold to the rod. This is how you follow the program. And we are being encouraged. Like we haven't been in a long time to like be courageous. Like Eve, like half of the world, more than half the world thinks that Eve did an evil thing. And we're able to look at it as a good thing. And I wasn't going to go there, but this makes me think of the lesson that my daughter taught me just last week. So she was watching this documentary on how seeing eye dogs are taught. And in order to be certified as a seeing eye dog, their final test is they have to choose the right direction, even when their master is giving them direction that's going to lead them like into an obstacle or into the road. So they have to learn intelligent disobedience. And yep. she immediately is like, mom, that's what Eve did. Wow. And so for a while I was like, yes, that was intelligent disobedience. But when I look at it as a whole, right, just like the seeing eye dog, yes, in that one moment, they have to like disobey the master that's giving them the direction right then. But ultimately they're listening and obeying to the whole master. They're listening to the person that taught them how to be, you know, serve the best they can in that moment. Like they're listening to all of their teaching, not just a little portion of it in that moment. And that's what I think we're being asked to do is let's, what is the whole light? What is the whole rope? Not one strand, not one command, right? Like, yes, that dog has to ignore one command, but what's the overall teaching that they're being given? 
And I'm not saying for us to go out there and be disobedient, but what higher laws are we working towards? We're being prepared for. What, what are we being prepared for? Right. And when our master asks us to do the right thing, what does that mean? And when the spirit enticed Eve, she made a choice that served that higher law. And we're being encouraged to do that now. And for a lot of people, I know that they're scared. They're terrified. Because it's changed. Everybody's afraid to change. Yeah, everybody's afraid of change. And we are comfortable. And so I think the first box that all of us need to break is that box of complacency. We, yep. When the Lord says that everybody will say all is well in Zion, like we have to believe that. I believe him when he says that, that we're going to be complacent. I believe that it's happening right now. I believe that it's happened to me in the past. And I believe that even now there are elements of me that are like all is well, right? And, and, and as we break out of the box further, we start to see by being in contact with our higher self, by reading from our own book of life or the scroll that's attached to our soul or however you want to view it, that, oh, there is this piece of me that's like Elder Maxwell talked about it. Basically, as we pursue discipleship further, he was like, we start to realize that there are withholdings that we're all making. And as we come into contact with, like you said, with further light and knowledge, what does light do? It sheds light on darkness. And when that light comes on upon the darkness, we see these elements of ourselves and we're like, oh man, I need that excavated out of there because that's kind of ugly or not true. And we get in, we get in step with it. So I don't know about you guys, but like, I just recognize that complacency has been one of my greatest adversaries like a hundred percent like it completely has wrecked me multiple times in my life yep and it's a pattern and i'm like yeah i can see how that can wreck an entire civilization of people whatever i mean it's very powerful because it's not just abrupt it takes time right so i'm like wow like i gotta break my complacency patterns but then i was also just listening to Soraya talk about the intelligent disobedience, right? Or righteous disobedience. Or righteous disobedience, which I like even better. And how many other times has the Lord laid that pattern out in the scriptures? Yep. It's not just one time. No. Right? Like we have, we, we know of other times where in the scriptures that we're taught that. But nobody's talking about that. I mean, Christ did that in the meridian of time. Like it just dawned on me the other day. Like, so we, the type and shadow of Christ coming in the future day that he did is Eve doing what she did, right? Taking her truth, circumscribing it into one great hole and going, okay, I got to make a decision. One piece of what I was given has got to be, there's got to be a transgression here, which is different than a sin. And that's also another way to understand this. Just go study. I'm not going to go into detail, but go study the difference between sins, transgressions, and iniquities, and you'll understand better that what Eve did was a transgression, which is the word that is used scripturally as well as in the temple to describe what she did. It's a transgression. She transgressed a lesser law to embrace a higher law. And that's what Christ did. Think about why it was such a struggle. Like, why does Christ have to come back from the dead, resurrected, and sit with Peter and chastise him lovingly over a fish meal, right? Over a meal of fish. Over what? He asked, do you love these fish more than me? And Peter was like, well, no, you know, I love you, Lord. And then three times, and this is so huge to me too. We've been told we need to shepherd people. Wrong. Soraya, you reminded me of that yesterday in something you said. I'm like, we need to take care of the flock and the, the Lord is the shepherd. Right. He said, feed my sheep, not shepherd my sheep. I'm the shepherd. You're just supposed to feed them. Well, how do we feed them? Well, Soraya, Kiko, and I decided we're doing a podcast. 
So we're going to hopefully help feed some people, but we're not here to be the shepherd. Right. And I, and I like people that mentor with me, I kick them in the teeth usually about the second or third time they, they get a hold of me thinking that I'm going to some, because they're trying to draw on my light. And I'm like, Nope, that's not why I'm here. Like, don't, I, I lovingly tell them, don't call me anymore. Right. Until you figure this out and then just call me in or send me a text and be like, I figured it out because it's my job to bring food, a little bit of food to them and show them, Hey, here's how you you know, here, here's some food to, to nourish your soul. It's not my job to help you in all aspects of, of being a sheep. That's the Lord's job. I'm just here to help feed you a little bit. But Christ did that in the meridian of time. Back to my original point, like he comes in the meridian of time and he's like, here's the old law. Here's the law that's been tweaked and messed up by the Pharisees and Sadducees. Like they've made this a ridiculous outward expression and the inward covenant and progression has been forgotten. Like, talk about being locked in a box. Like, honestly, culturalism and tradition have a lot of people in our day locked in the same box. And what did Christ do? He gave them a choice. He gave them a higher law. He literally said, I've come to fulfill this law. Here's the higher law. Well, the the Christian people who were transitioning from being Jews, like, why don't we, we ever talk about this? This group of people were becoming Christians. They were leaving Judaism and pharisaical box-checking and sadisaical understanding or limited understanding, and they were ascending to be Christian, to be disciples of Christ. And it was a struggle. Like, the struggle was real. And why was the struggle real? Because they were so steeped in all the BS that they had believed. Some of it was true, like Sariah said. Other parts of it were not, and they were stuck. And Christ, literally with the most elect he left on the earth, had to come back to them multiple times and introduce them to the concept that they needed to choose the higher law again. And that's what he's doing to us now, right? We have the gospel of Jesus Christ as it was restored. Joseph Smith knew so much more. If you want to take the time to go read the Joseph Smith papers, the lectures on faith, and as Sarai so capably pointed out yesterday, the articles of faith, you will understand that Joseph Smith was telling us there is so much more. Here's the limited piece we've been given. And what did he teach? What, like the one thing, this is tattooable. Kiko and I are totally in the same pack. We're going to have like luminescent tattoos that are going to be on our arms in eternity. We're going to be like, boom, Joseph Smith right there. That was my quote. I lived by that. I live and die by this. And I will live and die by this piece of truth because it is unequivocally always an absolute truth. And Joseph Smith taught teach people correct principles and let them govern themselves. Amen. And I am going to stand on the fact that we in the church culture and in practice have gone against the Lord. And in some ways we as a people are under condemnation because we as a people, I'm not saying, I'm not pointing out anything with general authorities that so don't take me wrong. We as a people are apostate and we're apostate because we wanted someone else to put in a handbook or put in some policy letter how we should be governing ourselves. And the Lord is not pleased with that. He wants us to govern ourselves. And the only way to do that is to come into contact with him, have him teach us himself, like our prophet has told us, in order that we can come into contact with heaven, heaven's light in greater degrees to break the box. And I think one thing that's important when we talk about breaking the box is like, there are so many people that are having crisis of faith because they are gaining this light and they're saying this light doesn't fit in this box. And we as a people need to quickly start adding all the light and truth 
that we are being begged to grab and we need to start collectively letting that out because there's so many people that in their true search for light, they think they have to completely discard the box and they're walking away. And yet there is a place for all of that light that we have been foretold is coming. Like we know it's coming. So we need to search it out, seek it, hold it and show it so that other members of our family, our church family, our temporal families, that they see that their light's welcome here. That truth that you have is, it also fits within our organization. It fits within this home that we've created. And you don't have to take that light that you have that you don't think fits in this box. Guess what? We're supposed to search out all light and there's room for that light here too. And it may not match the light that I have, but there's room for your light here. And you don't have to completely like discard and go to a whole nother box. There's room for your light in this arena. So so we are giving everybody that's listening to this 100% permission to embrace that light and knowledge that you have received that you don't know how to process, do not know how to share because you're afraid to talk to somebody about it because you're going to get slapped around that church. You are invited to share that light knowledge with us. That's awesome. And that is like a perfect segue into kind of maybe we should go around the table and wrap this up and then we can just make some administrative announcements at the very end. But yes, it is difficult. I was going to say this, and this is maybe be my final comment and then you two can take your turn. But um, I remember the first time that somebody said something that flew in the face of what I thought I knew and I acknowledged it as such. It was one of those things where I was so used to being like, ah, I don't know if that's true. Like, uh, right. And I would distance myself. I'd stiff arm that person. And the Lord's like, what harm in there is stopping for a second and actually thinking about what they're saying? So I finally was like, okay, Lord. So the next time somebody said something where I was like, ooh, I don't know if that's true. And then I would go to the Lord and eventually I just would be able to discern truth more quickly. But I would go to him and be like, Lord, is this true? And he'd run me through a series of questions and help me to understand that actually what they were saying was true, either from their perspective and or, and most of the time it was an and or, it was a piece of truth that actually complemented what I'd learned and what it was the physical reaction I was having was that it was decimating tradition. And that, my friends, my brothers and sisters, is the intention of this podcast, to decimate tradition culturally, decimate tradition big picture in the culture of the church. And honestly, most importantly, as Elder Bednar has so capably pointed out and the Lord so capably illustrated in his life, one by one, our hope is to decimate tradition and within you to help decimate that tradition so you can decimate it, I guess, yourself and break out of the box. So hoorah, brothers and sisters, for Israel. I love it. Amen to that, brother. The, the last thoughts that I have is just that it's so easy to not identify our boxes. And we have to. Like we 100% have to say, where is my fist closed? What do I think I know? Just like you were saying, like, as I start to look at what I think I know versus what the Lord himself is teaching me, what am I, like, there's so many personal revelations that I receive for myself. I'm like, this does not fit into any of the boxes that anybody has given me. And the Lord has said, it's okay. Hold on to the truth that I give you. Right. And, yep. and one day it may not make sense, but one day is all going to make sense. And I, 
I have tried so much since the prophet encouraged us to be courageous like Eve. And I have asked, what does that mean? I have tried to connect to her essence, tried to connect to her soul and ask, well, how did you make that choice? How did you do that? And in the limited truth that they had at that point, because there really was so little that they probably had of the full piece of pie. She made that choice and it came from, I believe it came from within. It came from the promptings. It came from also her though. At some point in time to become like God, we have to start being those agents unto ourselves and we have to trust ourselves and the spirit. And it's so easy for us to trust others. And we are being begged to look deep inside and be courageous. And as we do, that box will crack and light will come in. And the more light we have to hold on to, the more open we will be to the light that is about to come. It's coming. It will come. And we have to prepare for it. I love that we were told to prepare for this upcoming general conference. That if you treated it just as the same, it's probably going to blow you away or it's going to blow right over your head. Right? <laughs> like you're, you're either going to be like not prepared for the light that's coming or you're just going to completely miss it. And you're going to think it's a normal general conference and you're going to be like, he said, watch what I'm about to do. Hold my Diet Coke. And then he did nothing. <laughs> you're going to be like, this is just more of the same if you're not prepared. That's right. And we're being begged to prepare it. And I am so excited to try and myself and help others to follow those promptings within us and follow those promptings that we're being given by the prophet now. Awesome. Hoorah. I just want all my brothers and sisters out there to know that they are loved unconditionally and they are not alone because I know what it feels like to feel like I'm alone and it's a horrible dark place to be and you are not alone like we are here so well more importantly the savior is here yes we are here to work on behalf of the savior we are here to share the things that we've been taught by him and for us to basically get you to a place where you are able to to get to him like that's really we're, we're just here to do his work yeah that's our true desire that, that's it and so i'm so excited for that and to be able to do something for someone else that someone else has done for me just like tyson and greg have done for me just like my, my wonderful amazing powerhouse of a wife has done for me right and to correct me on some things that i didn't understand like i should have but that's okay it's all about learning so we're excited about this so if this resonates with you Share it, give it to someone else that also needs to hear it. And we're going to be coming out with the whole follow-up to this and to other ones and then getting into more specifics with other individual boxes of how to break out of those. But only follow if you're ready to be uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, be prepared to get uncomfortable. Be prepared to get slapped around because as you start learning more, the adversary doesn't like it and he's going to slap you around. So just be prepared to do it. If you're not ready to get hit, then just keep doing what you're doing. That's okay. You know I mean? That's the beautiful right. thing about agency. It's the beautiful thing about the plan. It's our choice. So do you want to get in a fight? You want to learn how to fight? Or do you want to just sit there and just get wrecked and, <laughs> and, and just be okay with that? And that's going to be your legacy? Like, come on now. Like, we were all designed and built and created for greatness beyond our understanding. And we knew that before we came here. We pushed out to the side to come here to be able to do what we need to do. So just let's remember who we are. Let's get dialed in and let's get to work. Let's get to work. Yes, brothers and sisters, 
I said that I was going to wrap up with some administrative thoughts, but absolutely everything that was just said, like, amen and amen. And and it was funny because when Soraya and Kiko both hit on, hey, get ready to get uncomfortable, I was the last thing I was going to say is, hey, if we push some pain buttons for you today and you're ready for change, awesome. It's going to get more uncomfortable. So if you don't want to be uncomfortable, probably don't listen because we're going to get into taboo, uncomfortable subjects that need to be addressed so that we can all level up. and. That's the whole purpose of all of it. So without further ado, I just got to say, you know, Greg and I started this tradition of closing our podcast this way. Um, God be with you till we meet again and hoorah for Israel. And we are out until next time. We love you. Peace.